Hi everybody and welcome to the Testing One-on-One podcast with myself, Rob, and my good friend, Joel. Hey Joel, how you doing? Hey Rob, what's up man? All good? Yeah, all good. So yeah, as everyone else is sort of in lockdown at the moment. So um, yeah, what about yourself? Well, you know what? Other than the all the other podcasts where I usually start by explaining where have I been, I haven't been traveling anywhere <laughs> other than the recycling bin that is about 50 meters from home. Uh, we have in Israel this rule that you can walk all all over uh, 100 meters outside of your house. So I'm lucky enough that I have my recycle bin 50 minutes from home. And I am recycling basically every day. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> uh, some things have changed. Um, my office has changed drastically. I'm right now sharing my home office with my 12-year-old while they're homeschooled. Not homeschooled, meaning they have remote learning. So uh, today he's not le- studying. Uh, Friday he's not studying, but uh, we're studying, and my other two girls are always somewhere around the house, and my wife is also working from home, and um, so it's like that. But on the other hand, and and we were talking about this a couple of minutes ago uh, during the the prep, um, we are working like crazy. I mean, in practice, this is really really working like crazy. We see that um, yeah, there are some companies that are slowing down, and, and we're trying to help them out. We really are, um, but other companies are really really working and one of the things that i was talking with uh some people over twitter and stuff i think that the fact that we are working from home has at least one good point we're not wasting so much time in meetings and and all sorts of weird stuff so a lot of people are working a lot more and we see that with the amount of questions we have requests we have demos we need to do um so yeah meaning it's it doesn't feel like a zombie apocalypse, and that's like the good point. Uh, how about you, man? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was planning on taking a couple of months off anyway, so I sort of almost timed it timed it correctly. I guess obviously the concern for me is whether the market picks up afterwards. But you know, what? I was taking two months off to basically finish my squirrel book, which I know I've been uh, sort of saying I've been writing for probably about two or three years now. And it got a couple of online courses coming soon, which is quite exciting. It's put a lot of effort into these courses. So hopefully they resonate with people and hopefully people get a lot of value from them. And I'm also putting together sort of another book based around Zero to Keynote. So it's going to be a fun book. I've tried to make it as funny as possible. Um, I don't know whether it's a good thing that you laugh at your own jokes when you're reading it, but we'll see. Um, but obviously homeschooling is pretty tricky. Um, my wife, thankfully, is taking on the bulk of that. So big kudos to her. She's doing a great job. Um, but obviously all three boys at home, it's, you know, challenging trying to find things for them to do and uh, keep their energy up keep them focused but all good so joel uh what are we talking about today um well as uh you know as you saw from uh the title we're talking about testing from home and uh the pitfalls that you might run into and and some tips actually for that and um as you might have noticed yes we have this new uh thing uh, going around called COVID-19 or, or coronavirus. And, and by the way, um, I do want to take a, a stop here and, and really thank people who are doing the, the incredible stuff. And and obviously, yes, the doctors and, and nurses and, and medical people who are doing it. But if we think about it, uh, the people who are even working on the supermarkets and pharmacies and, and people who, if, if your country has uh, public transportation, those guys are risking themselves as well in order to make sure that we have a life, uh, delivery people. And and I want to thank them because we have it easy. Absolutely. Um, but but again, if, if you're 
from anywhere in the civilized world other than maybe China and Scandinavia, you're probably listening to this from home. Uh, you're keeping social distance, you're coping with your new work and life uh, reality, and, and it's completely different from what we had only a couple of months ago at the beginning of, of 2020. And obviously for, for each of us, this is different. Uh, some of us have families, others not. Uh, some of us might live in, in small apartments, others might live in houses in the suburbs or, or the country. Um, some of us might even be working full time or, or a couple of days a week from home before uh for others, it might be might be a completely new experience. But regardless of, of where you came from or where you're doing it, all of us are really encountering challenges and difficulties with this new and obviously forced way of working and testing from home. And what we want to do today is basically review a number of these points and talk about what stuff that you might do in order to make this a little bit better, okay, and maybe avoid some of those pitfalls uh, in the meantime. So let's get started. And I guess that you mentioned a little bit, I mentioned a lot of, a little bit as well. Let, let's talk about the big elephant in the room or maybe to put it better, the smaller but noisier elephants trashing the family room right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not working from home. We're basically working from home while trying to keep the peace and quiet of our families at home. How do you do it? Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? You know, you're trying to get stuff done, but at the same time, you, you're obviously, like you say, trying to keep the peace, trying to get the kids uh, sort of educated still, and, you know, trying to find those activities to keep them healthy and keep them fit. So I guess one of the first things that, that we've sort of got in our notes, but actually is probably the best place to start, is to being able to have that sort of quiet place, you know, somewhere to go to sort of switch off from all of that that chaos, that work, that noise, that sort of isolation where you're all living in, in much smaller confines than, than what you're used to. So where's your quiet space, Joel? How do you get that contemplative space? Um, well, I have a contemplative. It's a, it's a very big and fancy word. <laughs> um, no, I've, I've always had these, uh, let's say, the, the workroom. It used to be like the, the place where we put books and stuff. And, and I, I was working from home a day a week at least, and I work weekends as well. So this is where my, my desk was. Um, but we also installed, for example, my 12 year old's computers here and he studies five days a week from Sunday to Thursday here. And they do have online classes all the time. So we're, we're sharing that. But what we did though, we made some rules and we said, Hey, this is a workspace. This is not a game space. So yes, my guitars are here and I I might play it in the evening, but we're not going to have cards here and, and a lot of mess in here. This is going to be kind of a workspace. And I was reading uh, that this is very important, meaning it's not so much the place where you are as much as it's do not stay in your pajamas and in your bed because you're not going to be able to concentrate. Also, try to find a place that is not in front of your sofa and the TV because it's just too easy to do it. So you might want to look for a corner or something and, and just like change of scenery and kind of a place where you just separate between uh, game and work. Okay, fun and work. And, and this is this becomes like the workplace. Yeah. So w- where are you doing it? Yeah, sounds good. I mean, I'm blessed and, and very grateful and lucky to, to live in a reasonable sized house where we've got enough rooms to sort of separate people out. So uh, my wife, Dawn, and, and the two youngest are in the sort of kitchen family room doing their work. The eldest is in the living room with his own little desk that we bought for him, and he's doing his work. Um, and then I'm up in the study. Thankfully, I've been able to take over the study with all my lights and camera gear for the for the course. Um, so it's having those separations, but you know what, tidying all that stuff away and then turning that space back into somewhere where we eat and, and then obviously watch TV or, or chill with the boys 
and that's tricky, but you know, it's at a certain time of the day, which we're going to talk about in a minute, routines. But I'm also very grateful to have a garage with some weights and a ski machine out there. So I'm able to sort of go out there, do my exercises, switch off, try and separate that sort of work from, from life kind of thing. So yeah, that's how I do it. Um, do you still maintain a routine though, Joel? Have you? I mean, you mentioned getting out your pajamas, getting dressed. Is, do you still have a sort of set routine that you and the family stick to? Actually, we do, and uh, I was a little bit on the strict side when when I realized that this was going to take some time, and I put some like ground rules here, and it was like, okay, uh, you get up before classes, and and the kids usually start class by eight thirty, so by eight they're they're up, out of the pajamas, you have breakfast, and then you start studying, and and it's very small, but it helps. And in, and we said, hey, you know what? Do you want to sit in your pajamas? Do it on the weekends. So Friday and Saturday is pajama day for, for my kids. And and those small things actually help. We also made a rule that 12 p.m. 12.30 in the afternoon until 1.30 in the afternoon is going to be lunch, and everyone does it. Um, so we're very much into that. But yes, uh, that's like the family routine. But I, but I also have my own routine. And I try to do, for example, I do uh, meditations. Uh, I use Headspace for that. And it's a great system. And I try to do it every morning before I start working. Usually I don't oversleep, so it's good. I do it at 5 a.m. I try to exercise at the end of the day at least uh, every second day. Um, and and yeah, I mean, and try to have that routine that you have. By the way, also, if you're with the kids all the time, try to have a routine with your spouse, okay, with your significant other. I don't know what political, yeah, the co- correct term is, but for us, and, and I was joking about the recycling, but every evening, every evening when we go, uh, when we finish dinner, then we just go and do that 50 meters walk, get some fresh air, recycle and get back. It's small, it's insignificant, but it makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. So try to look for those, uh, like sanity within the insanity. I guess that it helps. What else? What do you have in your plate, man? Uh, I'm the same as you, very sort of uh, strict and, uh, and rigid with the, certainly the weekly, Monday to Friday uh, for the boys mostly, but also just so I can get some stuff done and my wife doesn't go mad doing the homeschooling. So pretty similar to you, but, you know, a few variances maybe. So I'm up around about six o'clock every day, um, straight to the garage, 5,000 meters on skiers, some weights, that kind of stuff. A uh, little bit of meditation journaling like you, but I do that afterwards with the boys. Then obviously it's breakfast. And a great thing, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a guy called Joe Wicks. And at nine o'clock every day, he's streaming live on YouTube. And he's basically become Britain's PE teacher. So he does this sort of live exercise class at nine, which we sort of try to take part in every day. The boys love it. He does sort of bunny hops and Spider-Man moves and stuff. It's quite fun. Then half nine starts, 12 o'clock lunch. And then we finish about half three, four. Boys can play electricals for a bit. And we sit and have tea. And that's it, you know, repeat, trying to keep that sanity. By the way, you know what I found is uh, try also to organize your chores, laundry and, and stuff like that. Uh, try to give as much as you can to others. Uh, so I, I taught my kids how to uh, use the laundry machine, how to uh, basically work with the clothing. So they're doing it. And, and you know, it's, Again, try to keep that sanity. Remember, it, we have it easy. We're looking yeah. for these kind of things. Absolutely. So it's just a way of, of having to, to get that. But again, I guess it, that's mostly about us. That's mostly about um, us as individuals. There's also quite a lot of changes that are, that are happening to our teams. Okay, And especially if you have teams that uh, were not globally scattered, 
Um, they, they were used to working in the same office and maybe in the same room. How do we keep them organized? Well, I mean, one of the, the most obvious things is just to over-communicate or certainly communicate more than you probably did. When you've got people in the office, you can obviously you know have a chat, you can see people, you can sort of do the non-verbal, just waving, smiling at people. That's the, the sort of social connection. You don't get that when you're suddenly distributed. So it's about over-communicating. But I'm cautious with the word over-communicate because if your communication is terrible, the last thing you want to do is to over-communicate on that. So it's about getting that right. And we'll talk about a harder style of communication in a minute and see whether or not you agree with it as a obviously a leader of a, a business. But it's just maintaining that social connections, you know, using the tools that we've got available. We've got Slack, Mail, Zoom, WhatsApp. You know, there's all sorts of tools out there. And it's about that keeping people connected. How do you do it? I mean, you're running a business right now in this in this crisis. What are you doing? Um, we are over communicating, but I guess the, the most important part is that you need to differentiate between over communicate and micromanage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because communication is not to all the time know what the other is doing. I don't really care if you're working right now on task A or task B or task C, or if you took 30 minutes because you needed to make sure that your son is doing his geometry. That's not what I want to do. Over communicate is so that people get the feeling that they're not alone and working alone. So yes, we use, I'll give you an example. Uh, we've been using Slack for three years now. We're using it more than ever. We even created a Slack channel. How do we call it? Wait, we have the name. Uh, PD water cooler, I think that we call it, as in practice test mm -hmm. water cooler. And the idea there, wait, I'm looking for it right now, blah, blah, blah. PT virtual water cooler. Okay, that's the name of the, of the room. And, and it, that's the room where every morning you connect, you say, good morning. <laughs> and if you're going to go out for lunch, you say, hey, I'm out for lunch, going to buy you back later. And it's like it's it's like the water cooler, it's the office, is the hallway when, when you're entering, you say hello to everyone and everyone has hello back. Yeah. So those are like the kind of small things. Um, I try to make sure that whenever anything happens, then it's going to be communicated over there. Okay, and that's like an offline kind of communication. And it's important to keep it offline because yeah. if you're going to be distracted by it, then that's another problem. But then we don't only use that. We also will have email and we will have WhatsApp. So depending on what type of response I need, I will use that. Obviously, uh, Zoom. By the way, even Slack has their own phone and, and video platform. For us, Zoom, it's a little bit higher quality than that. But... For what we're doing quite a lot is whenever I need to have a conversation with someone, if it's a five-minute conversation as well, we're just going to send a Zoom link through Slack and we'll go on a, on a call, very short call, but we'll put video in it. Okay, it's important for me so that they will see my face and I will see their face because it becomes a lot more personal. That is the over-communication that I'm looking for. The over-communication is not to assume that everyone is working quietly, because we're working too quietly. But on the other hand, we need to be very careful to understand that it's not about intrusions, because one of the things that we need to do is to set up expectations. And my expectations of my team is for them to continue working. Their expectations from me is to understand that they're struggling because they have, some of them have families, some of them don't, some of them are caring for their parents. There's a member in our team that that her father is actually managing uh, a corona unit in in a hospital. Okay, so everyone has their backstories, and we're all worried. So we need to take that into account. It's as simple as that.
Yeah, absolutely. I just posted a video this week actually on uh, my YouTube channel, which is um, about how to manage remote workers. I actually wrote it about a year ago. And one of the, the things I always said, and I ran it with my team and it freaked them out. I'll be honest, it freaked them out for the first couple of weeks was I just say hello to them every day. You know, just log on and just whatever, whether if they're in the office, obviously I'd say hello to them face to face. But if they're remote, I just open the chat channel, say, hey, how you doing? I'm here. Have a good day. And it was just maintaining that social connection and, and you know, that that sort of almost sort of that impression that you're there for them, which you are obviously as a manager. So that's cool. So do you do sort of daily meetings, weekly meetings? Are you still continuing those? Have they been an increase? Yeah. We we used to have when we were in the office we had a week we call it a weekly uh, it happened every Sunday at ten thirty a.m. again Israel works Sunday to Thursday and what we realized is that because we're working remotely we want to do it we want to go less deep but we want to do it twice a week so we call it semi weekly and we have it on Sundays and Wednesdays at the same time ten thirty and everyone connects via Zoom we share faces it's very important it looks like the Brady Bunch <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Um, but what I'm doing with my teams, and I have three of those uh, smaller teams, two people each, we have dailies, okay? And it's the same format of daily that we have in uh, in, in regular um, development teams, agile teams. What have you been doing? Uh, what do you need to do? And is something standing on your way? It takes five minutes, but again, it makes me, you know what? It helps me a lot to understand that people are working on the stuff that is pri- that has priorities, Eve, I'm going to be talking to you and you're going to tell me, hey, I'm going to be doing task A, B, and C, but I know that task D actually has a higher priority. That's the place where I'm going to tell you, hey, you know what, Rob? Um, I need you to finish D today because it's more important than A and B. So I don't need to micromanage you. I don't have the chance to walk behind your desk and, and ask how is D coming around, but I can do it on that meeting and it works a lot better. Yeah, man, that sounds good. I mean, these sorts of things that actually people will be starting to implement that sort of more regular communication is is what I think most managers and leaders have been advocating for a very long time. I know I certainly have those twice weekly, weekly all hands, those kind of things. They're good, you know, they're good in times of, of obviously like a crisis now and remote working, but they're good anyway. Do you think you'll continue some of these things? I mean, I, I like actually how you've, you've said you don't go quite as deep, and but you have them more frequently. I think that's a great move. You know, one, one of the things that I've been thinking about, um, practice is constantly growing. Uh, we're hiring right now. I mean, yesterday I called someone to tell him that he has been hired, even in, in the middle of the quote-unquote current crisis, and we're trying to keep business as usual. Um, what I have been asking myself lately is, uh, given the fact that, yes, we're able to work remotely, it doesn't really uh, hurt us that much as a team, maybe encourage it a little bit more and maybe even go deeper, meaning we haven't hired someone outside of Israel yet. Maybe our next hire will be outside of Israel. Maybe we will look for someone to do, be part of a team, but he might be or she might be in Ukraine or Romania or a place where, you know, we might get someone who works better uh, at, at a more less expensive rate than we do in Israel like now and it might actually change the way we work. I will obviously be more lenient towards people who tell me that they want to work remotely because we see that we're able to manage it. Yeah. Um, yeah, sounds good. Do I miss the office? Of course I do. Do I miss the people? Yes, of course I do. Um, but do I get stuff done here? Yeah, I might move to two days a week instead of one day a week from home. <laughs> that sounds good. I, mean, I miss that social interaction. I'm a, a very sociable person, hence, you know, the, uh, the, the old testing blog was called The Social Tester. You know, I like a good good to get together i like to see people's faces so it's it's pretty tricky being remote constantly um 
But there you go. So, I mean, one of the things that I, I read a book uh, a while back, probably about a year ago, uh, called Messengers, Who We Listen To, Who We Don't, and Why. It's by a guy called Steve Martin, not the, the comedian. And Yeah, I was thinking about the banjo guy. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things in there that really resonated and actually tied in with what I teach on the comms workshop is that there's two different uh, distinct styles of communication. One's hard communication and one's softer. And in times of uncertainty, times of change, times of like we're living through now, this crisis, you require a sort of harder communication style. It doesn't mean that you're harsh. It doesn't mean that you're aggressive, but it means that you're more confident, you're direct, you're positive, but it's done with a sort of sense of realism and empathy and care. And when you're in a time where everything's going quite well and there's no massive changes and business as usual, that hard style can actually be ineffective. Are you finding that you're shifting the way that you communicate during this time? Um, oh, and actually, I should have caveat here that I put you down as a hard communicator a lot of the time. <laughs> I, I'm actually no. People think that I'm a that I'm a joker most of the time, and, and people joke at me that uh, whenever I'm in the office, the office is a lot more noisier. Yeah. Um, but I have found myself lately um, doing, uh, and it's a little bit shameful, but I'm, I'm doing a little bit more pep talks, um, yeah. especially in those semi weeklies. Uh, because yes, we saw at the first two weeks of, of this uh, that people were not buying new software. Okay, and, and and you saw it because the sales team always reported how many deals we closed th- during the last week, and, and they were saying, "Hey, we haven't closed anything in a week. We haven't closed anything in two weeks." Um, so wh- what I basically did was start to explain what I think is happening, and then I asked some raw numbers. Uh, for marketing and from sites and I said hey this is what's happening guys we know that this is the way it's going to work um, but take into account we we are trying to drive the ship we're not letting the stream take us anywhere so it's more of a of a pep talk explaining what we're doing making sure that everyone knows what you're doing and I, I never used to do that and that's but the- I thought that it I thought that it would help a lot. By the way, now we're on a on a some of the stuff that we thought might happen is happening. People are buying software again. Um, but I found myself trying to be more of a guys, everything's okay kind of leader that I never thought I should never thought I was. But mm. but yes, it happens. Yeah, I think this is going to be a time where it, you know it tests a lot of managers' uh, ability to communicate because. You know, the most effective communicators are able to switch between those hard and soft styles. And, you know, I think as well, when you've got kids, I mean, my kids, are, they're worrying about it. You know, one of my middle kid got quite upset the other day and he's worrying about the future and all that sort of stuff. And it's the same with the kids, you know, that sort of confidence, positive, direct. But you know what? You've still got to maintain that sense of realism that, you know, this is a very difficult, unprecedented time. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I think if you're a manager, uh, try to obviously be empathetic, caring, of course, that's what we should be doing. But you know what, that harder style, that a little bit more direct, a little bit more positive, I think that's what's required at the moment. And it's a good book as well, Messengers, Who We Listen To, Who We Don't, and Why. Very, very good book. Okay, now we do have a set of points that we said we were talking about, and I'm looking at the clock and the clock is clicking. So let's actually go over a couple of things. Um, okay, how can, one of the things that I've seen quite a lot, so we talk about how to keep the, the team organized. Um how do we keep working together? Meaning we're not in the office, but we still have tasks that we need to do in, in groups of twos, groups of threes um, with the teams. I think we talk about a couple of them, but how do you think that we need to actually work better right now as teams? 
Oh, it's, it's kind of interesting. I know somebody who uh, can work from home, but is not allowed to because the company doesn't have the right tools. So it, in a sense, it's all about that digital transformation. And I saw a meme on LinkedIn, actually, which was quite funny. Uh, there was a picture and it said, you know, who's responsible for your company's digital transformation? And the first line was the CEO and then a line through it and said, nope. And then it said the CIO and then there was a line through that and it said, nope. And then it said COVID-19 and there was a big tick next to it and it said, yes because it's basically pushed people to have to work remotely. And if you don't have the capabilities, it's going to be really tricky to collaborate. And just obvious stuff like using Google Docs, using cloud-based tools, having, you know, cloud-based uh, tools like yourself, like, uh, you know, practice test, those kind of things. You know, if you're not ready for that now, it's going to be very, very difficult. If you've been using them for a while, it should be somewhat seamless once you nail some of the stuff we talked about earlier in the show. What about yourself? I mean, what are you using to collaborate? Well, I already mentioned all the different tools that we're using. We rely quite a lot on Zoom. We rely quite a lot of Google Docs. Obviously, we work with practice internally, so that actually helps. Um, it helps if you have good internet. Um, yeah, for sure. You need to have it. <laughs> yeah. And as I was mentioning, try to do video as much as possible, okay? Um, don't be afraid to kick open a, a video call. And by the way, the, what I used to do at the beginning of this is that I would start the Zoom sessions with my camera open. And during the first two sessions, I was the only person with the camera open. After a while, people started opening their own cameras. And now they do it more often. And I think it's a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, don't be afraid to lead the pack. Okay. If you want to, don't be afraid of leading that pack. Yeah. And that means you, obviously you've got to get dressed in the morning to be on that video call. So. <laughs> oh, not only that, meaning, you know, I do it with customers as well. And everyone's working. And, and it's interesting because you do it with customers. And I, I start still my calls with customer saying, hey, guys, if there's noise in the background, sorry for that. I'm working from home. My yeah, kids are here. Yeah. More often than not, I hear from the other side, hey, don't worry. If you hear noises in the background, those are my kids as well. <laughs> I was on a call yesterday morning, no, two days ago, when we're three people talking on the call. One of them went silent. And then about a minute afterwards, he comes back and says, hey, sorry about that. I cannot un I cannot mute myself anymore because I don't have hands and I have a six month old on my hands right now. No. And you heard the baby all the time, but that's life today. Yeah, absolutely. So don't don't worry about that. So Joel, I mean, you're a hardworking kind of guy. You're traveling all over the place. You're always you always seem to be working and doing stuff, which is you know you're growing a business, and that's that's exactly the part of being an entrepreneur. But how do you stop that workday exploding? You know, one of your members of staff, you know, maybe they ended up working I don't know six till ten. 6 a.m. in the morning till 10 p.m. I mean, how do you how do you encourage people to, to stop doing that? How do you do it yourself? Well, first of all, understand that it will happen. Um, and it happens due to a number of reasons, meaning it's not that we're, even if we're not working harder, there are two things affecting. First of all, we don't have that separations between uh, home and office anymore. Okay, so you're going to start from home and you're going to end from home. And in the middle, you will have all sorts of chores, for example. So I, I'm in charge of lunch. So I need to take at least an hour, an hour and a half to make that happen. And kids will have homework questions and stuff like that. So you might not even be working more hours. You might be working less hours, but your day just got smeared all over the, the calendar. Um, so it's very stressful. I find myself very stressed as well. But what I'm trying to do at least, um, I'm blocking time on my calendar. I'm working with the calendar and I make sure that my team knows it. And so they see my calendar. I block stuff. So uh, lunch, I have an hour blocked in the in the middle of the day. No one puts anything in there. If I need to have personal tasks, um, I will put them in there. Um, I try to 
limit sessions with the team, any meeting to 30 minutes. And whenever I see the topic for a meeting, I'm not afraid of saying, hey guys, this is something we can do over email. So let's do it over email. Um, so it's kind of been a little bit more stricter with your your time, but also understanding that you need to set up some rules and it's okay. As we were mentioning, the, the virtual water cooler, I prefer someone telling me, hey, I need to go and put my kids to bed or um, I need to go and do some homework with my kids so that I know not to bother them. And then when they're back, they write to me they're back than to, to get frustrated because I don't hear about someone or even worse, knowing that he's frustrated because he couldn't spend time with his kids. Yeah. Absolutely. We need to set up expectations. Yeah, definitely. Uh, time blocking is a, a fabulous time management tool. Definitely. It's awesome. Oh, by the way, one of the things that I did, I remember last week, it was crazy and I had to do a lot of work. And so on Wednesday, I just went over and I blocked my complete Thursday, declined three meetings and said, Joel is working on an important task. If you need to disturb him, call him now. And I got about two calls and I had three meetings, but the rest of the day I was able to work. So do it if you need to do it. Absolutely. So and as we talked about earlier, try and have a different place to do your activities and your work so you can metaphorically or at least physically sometimes as well, close the door. Uh, we talked about that one. So, you know, you talked to that you're hiring still and, and obviously when you hire people, there's the, the sort of induction process, but there's also junior members of staff. Are you still doing that sort of mentoring and training? Oh, yeah, quite a lot. Back to Zoom. Um Yes, we do it as well. Um, first of all, it's about setting expectations again here. Um, there are things they will be able to do, there are things they won't be able to do. It will take time to teach them. Um, so you also need to put that in your calendar. It's more important than ever to have good mentors. So I'm I'm delegating mentorship to other people as well. Um, and plan it and distribute it among as, as many people as you can, but you need to put it in there. One of the things that, you, you know, it's, it's funny, but one of the things that we're doing and it happened, um, we're transitioning to more development testing. Uh, we're basically, our goal is that 75% or 85% of testing will be done by developers in our teams. And the hard part is that we're right now transitioning and teaching our developers to test more and more and test better. So how do you do it? Uh, we're we're doing so much mentoring. We're doing so much teaching online, uh, reviews and everything. And it can be done. It takes time, but then you put it as something that you will need to put in there and 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 do it. By the way, also realize that uh, you need to have a more balanced um, backlog because if you have new people in your team, they won't be able to do the more advanced stuff. So again, have a balanced backlog for that. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. So it sounds to me like you've basically got a coaching plan and you've got it all agreed and you're all working towards it the best that you can with the tools that you've got. It sounds awesome. I didn't mm. know that's how it was called, but good to know. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the coaching plan. Everybody should have one. No matter what level you are in a business, you should have some sort of plan to get better. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a really tricky time. Obviously, you know, people are worrying and people are probably, you know, working from home. It's, it's easy to sort of work more hours than you probably need to. But there's also that possible decline in motivation and burnout. I mean, are you sort of guarding against that? What, what sort of things are you seeing? Definitely. Um, we're looking very much into burnout. We're, it, it's, a, it's an issue. It's an issue. It's even a personal issue. Um, I'm going to start with, with, the, with the last part. I'm very open also for people telling me, hey, Joel, 
shut the computer off. It has happened a couple of times. Um, peers of mine telling me, you sound like you're very tired. Go out. And at the beginning, I was like, no, of course I can do more. Of course I can do more. Second, third time I heard it, I said, hey, you know what? It might be an indication. And I just basically shut the computer off for a couple hours and then got back in. And it was good because other people are able to see stuff in you that you're not able to see. That's always the case. They have perspective. You're in the middle of the mod. So they will tell you. And as a manager, I think that that's one of your biggest uh, points. You need to be able to be in touch with people socially, personally, in order to be able to raise those flags. Mm. Uh, and and it's well. harder to do it, and you need to do it. Yeah, I, mean, I think as well, as a manager, you want to be looking for people's behaviors, really sort of shifting. I mean, once you get to know your staff, like you talked about, once you get to know people, um, you can see when their behaviors are starting to shift dramatically. And, you know, that's one of the, the sort of warning signs that potentially there's something happening here. And you're going to see this over the next period for sure, people's behaviors are shifting. But it's when they start to really significantly shift that you should probably go and ask, is everything okay? Can you help? But I don't think that you need to wait for that. I need that, that we need, yeah. as as managers, we need to care about our people enough in order to at least once a day, twice a day. For some of us, it's going to be every second day. Hey, how is it going? How's your wife taking it? How are your kids doing it? Genuinely try to understand how they are. And by the way, I don't believe in altruism. I think that all of us are looking for our own goods. And even if that's the case, um, I want you to be good because it's going to help me in the long run. Okay. And um, I, I've heard a number of times, even people who do good stuff, each of us does it because internally we feel better when we do it. No mm. one does a good thing and feels bad about it. Yeah. So, so that's how it works. And as a manager, I should not be afraid of asking my team, Hey, how are you on a personal level? How are your folks doing? Meaning ask around because you want to know if someone needs a little bit more encouraging. And as I was saying, yes, there are people who have more kids at home, people who have less kids at home. Try to look into how can you help on that as well. Yeah, I think okay. one of the things to, to guard against is, you know, I've had it before where you're asking people, and obviously you should be doing this anyway. I mean, this has just been a, a nice, decent person at work anyway. Um, but sometimes they say, yeah, everything's fine, everything's fine, but their behaviors are, are telling you something different. So you need to sort of look out for that as well. All right, Joel, this has been a fairly lengthy one. What are we at now? About 35 minutes nearly. It's been good, mm -hmm. though. Enjoyable. I think we've uh, shared a whole lot of wealth of knowledge. Anything you want to add before we close out? Um, no, guys, remember, this is, on the one hand, it's going to take a while. I don't believe it's going to be done in about a week or two. On the other hand, it's going to change the way that we look at things completely. But we need to basically look into the lemonades that we're going to be able to do from these lemons and uh, take the good as much as you can. And remember, we will adapt, we will succeed, and, and it will be over one way or another. Okay, so keep it there. And again, keep it up. Yeah, stay safe, everyone. And yeah, you know where to find us. Uh, give us one of those uh, five-star reviews, uh, likes, let us know what you think, give us some feedback, and obviously let us know what you'd like us to cover on this as well. Good. Thanks, Joel. I'll see you in the next one. Thank you, Rob. Everyone take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.